nobody believed in us at the very beginning. A lot of people would ask me, well, is this a coding bootcamp? Because there were a lot of schools out there teaching coding. Uh, mm -hmm. Other people would ask me if this is project management. So, you know, there were a lot of haters and not believers, but I, I hope I'm proving them wrong one by one. That was Carlos Gonzalez de Villambrosia, the founder of Product School, talking about just some of the challenges he faced when getting it off the ground. Since then, he's done a tremendous amount to change the way product managers learn the art, craft, and science of product management, training over 20,000 students in the last seven years. In our interview, Carlos shares why he started Product School, the state of product management and product management training at that time, how it's changed, and his expectations for the future of our discipline. Hi, I'm Nils Davis, and this is episode number 79 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority podcast, podcast for product managers, marketers, innovators of all stripes. This interview with Carlos was great. It was marked more than anything by his enthusiasm for what he does and for product management. Just really fun to listen to, and I hope you really enjoy it. For show notes, including links to the articles and sites Carlos and I mentioned, check out the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 79. And without further ado, let's get into it. Well, welcome to the podcast, Carlos. Congratulations on the success of Product School. It's been kind of amazing. And we'll talk, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But to get started, I'd really like to get the quick notion of how you got to this point. You know how they say that it takes 10 years to have an overnight success? Well, that's pretty much it. So my story started um, in Product School seven years ago. I started this school as a solution to my own problem because... I didn't know anything about product management when I actually got my first PM job. My background is in software engineering, but nobody taught me anything about product. And I went to business school. I had the exact same problem. So after 10 years of building companies, working in product, I decided to create a hybrid school right in between engineering and business that hopefully can deliver this type of training in a much more practical way than traditional education. And I did it very small, very humble. In San Francisco, I rented a conference room in a co-working space and decided to convince eight crazy people to give me a chance at teaching them how to get a PM job. And actually, um, in many cases, they, they did. They, they got a PM job. And I was the instructor. I created the first curriculum. I did absolutely everything myself. I was a one-man show for at least the first two years. Um, seven years forward, we are now the largest community of product managers with over 1 million members and over 20,000 alumni. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic story. I was wondering about the failures along the way and what they helped you learn or helped how they helped you actually eventually succeed. Totally. Well, actually, the failures started even before product school. I started two companies before and I failed. And in a way, that inspired me to create a company doing the exact opposite of what I did before, which is my previous company, which also was in education, but I raised money from VCs. I tried to grow too fast and focus on just bottom line and, and not too much on the quality, not, not too much on the sustainability of the business. I was just trapped into the Silicon Valley uh, ecosystem where everyone was pushing graphs up, up and to the right. And uh, after a while, I, I realized that that didn't make me happy. And I wanted to start a company that was small, where I could spend my time with my customers instead of with investors, and where maybe I didn't have the ambition to become a unicorn. And that was okay. I just wanted to have more control over my destiny. So that's what I did. Product School is a bootstrap business still today. And I started literally doing everything myself as an instructor, just teaching something that I'm very passionate about, not trying to solve other people's problems. I just tried to solve my own problem. And then, of course, 
I'm an ambitious person and driven, so I also wanted to grow, but I wanted to do it in a much more sustainable way, reinvesting profits instead of just trying to borrow money and, and, and grow without any path to profitability. So that's, that's, I would say, probably the biggest lesson learned for me when I decided to start product school. Um, one other thing that was very important for me was, was to focus. My previous company, I was all about teaching everything to everyone. It was an online marketplace similar to Udemy.com where, or, Udem, or YouTube, where we were literally teaching everything from how to bake a brownie to how to code a website to how to do martial arts. It was just too much. We couldn't be the best at anything because we we're trying to cover too much ground. So here at Product School, I decided to just focus on one skill, which is product. And that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I, that's something that I believe that we can do a, a good job at. And nobody believed in us at the very beginning. A lot of people would ask me, well, is this a coding bootcamp? Because there were a lot of schools out there teaching coding. Uh, mm -hmm. Other people would ask me if this is project management. So, you know, there were a lot of haters and not believers, but I, I hope I'm proving them wrong one by one. That's great. And so in that process, you know, sometimes in that process, we figure out what we're extra good at, kind of what our superpower is. Do you have something that comes so easily to you that you always assume other people can do it and then you find out that they can't? One of my superpowers is product. Like I've been doing this thing forever without any formal training, literally learning on the go on the street, talking to people. And I just couldn't believe that there was no formal curriculum. A lot of people would think that you cannot teach this. You have to be a visionary. You have to be born with ideas. And that's just not true. And there are a lot of frameworks and a lot of tools and skills that you can actually acquire. So that was one thing that to me was pretty obvious that maybe not so obvious for a lot of others. And then I think in general, my personality is that I just love connecting with people. I love seeing the potential in, in them. So I'm almost a glorified recruiter. I like to connect with people that have potential and push them to do things that sometimes they don't even believe they can do. That served me well because I've been able to convince people to do certain things, obviously to reward them when they, when they achieve big results. And, and I think that's a very founder startup mentality, which is taking risks, sometimes too big risk, but because I'm an eternal optimist, you know, I'm kind of crazy in that way. And I, I decide to go for it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, right around the time that you started product school, there was, it seemed like there was a little boomlet in some of these schools, like General Assembly, I know was also going at that time. Um, pragmatic marketing was growing a lot. Was there some kind of a product management change of attitude about product management sort of at that time that you think? So there was a huge movement around coding bootcamps. That was the time in 2000. I started the company in summer of 2014, and right before there were at least 10 other coding bootcamps that they were promising people, you can get a coding job without a coding degree, and mm -hmm. you, can, you can do it. doesn't matter your background. You just have to spend two to three months full-time, and then we'll prepare you to get that first-time job. And I come from an engineering background. I spent four years getting a CS degree, and, and I know that not everyone in engineering wants to be an engineer, and that's me. I knew that there's always a percentage of people who want to leverage the technical background in a different way. And even though I didn't know what product management was, I knew that there were a lot of people who just didn't want to code. So that was that was the, the idea behind that. I just realized that the more engineers out there, the more tech companies, the bigger the need will be for non-technical people to also collaborate with, with technical people. So I would say that was probably my unfair advantage to try to create something that was the next wave after 
all of these other coding bootcamps. Obviously, there was always a lot of competition. There was always been um, MOOCs, online courses out there. Mm -hmm. There's Coursera, Udacity, you mentioned General Assembly. Yes, even Wikipedia or YouTube. But product management was such a small niche that very few people believed in it. It wasn't really cool, believe it or not. <laughs> now it's all over the place. But before, it, it wasn't that, that understood. So I just decided to start very, very small on something that I'm passionate about and double down on it and really find the, the best of the best at it, the influencers, the product leaders who work at Uber, Netflix, Google, who also didn't have a product school when they started in their career mm -hmm. and wanted to give back to that next generation of product leaders. That's great. And so going back to that, what was sort of the biggest challenge to getting product school off the ground? Well, the biggest challenge is that very few people believed in it, first of all. I didn't have any money. So I decided to, to just do it with my own resources. I, I just spent my, my time and money to create uh, a community. So I was literally answering a lot of questions on Quora and other discussion forums. I was organizing free events in San Francisco, so leveraging tools such as Eventbrite or Meetup that are free. And all those events were also free. I just wanted to get the word out there and create some small workshops to add value to people and, and show that there's a path here for, for people who don't want to code, not just engineers, but other backgrounds. And from there, I also realized that in reality, I just didn't need that many customers in order to be profitable because I was a one-man show. And I didn't right. even have an office. So, so in reality, yes, I just needed three or four students who trusted me. And, and that's what I did. My first cohort was very small. We only got eight. And I did everything. And then little by little, we were investing into, into the community. But there is no real silver bullet here or, or secret sauce. It was all hard work and a lot of time behind, behind the scenes. And it sounds like building that community was really critical to making sure that people knew about it and could reach out to you and things like that. And also to know what questions there were that needed to be answered by product school. Totally. And I, I applied my product mindset before starting product school. I started two other companies. And so I know what it is to go out there and talk to customers. So literally I was meeting with people in person, not just at the events, but also having coffees with them. Some of the people who would ask questions on Quora and other digital forums, I could see who they are. So I would connect with them on LinkedIn and then try to connect over, over the phone or in person, whatever it was. I had a lot of qualitative and quantitative information about what were their challenges. And, and the bottom line is a lot of people wanted to work in product management. They wanted to get these jobs. I could also see a lot of companies hiring, but there was a huge disconnection because nobody was really teaching the the ABC on, on how to break into product. And, and there are a lot of people who have the right ingredients. It's not that I'm, I'm here to, you know, uh, change the world. No, like a lot of people, they just, they just need to sell themselves better. We just needed to help them rephrase the resume, practice some mock interviews, understand some of those lingo words that sometimes product people use. And, you know, with a little bit of help, we were there at that final push. I will say that we're not here to make a miracle. Like we will only work with, Professionals would have three to five years of experience with, you know, working close enough to the product team. They just needed that, that final push to get the first job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then sort of what was the, the realization that you'd kind of made it, that, you'd, that it, it was going to work? Whew. So my realization is that people kept coming and coming and coming. So at some point, 
I was like, well, this is this is just too much for me. As 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 much as I enjoy um, speaking as uh, in events and in classes, I I just need to scale. And I was very very afraid of it because the reason why pro school worked at the beginning was mostly because because of me. I, I just cared so much about it that I would willing I was willing to go the extra mile, meet with people outside, review resumes, prepare introductions, do whatever it took just to make sure that my students were set up for success. I knew them. I would spend at least 40 hours with each of them. So it's a lot of responsibility. So I was afraid of delegating that experience. It took me a while, but obviously it was inevitable. And the first, the first thing I did was to delegate to people I trust very much. So I didn't put a job description out there to say, hey, I'm hiring a product manager to teach. Uh, I went to my network and I was fortunate enough to know a lot of people from my time at Berkeley. My, my wife went to Stanford. I, I did a, a startup acceleration program at 500 Startups. So I knew a lot of founders and PMs at really cool companies that they wanted to help. And one thing that I would do with them is to invite them to give talks, like we're doing now. I, they would participate in an interview. They would, they would create a workshop. So I could also test how they react. I just couldn't risk the experience that students would get because at the end of the day, we teach product management, but what we sell is a service. One of the questions that, that comes up a lot about programs like Product School and others is the idea of certifications. I assume when people finish Product School, they have some kind of a thing that says, I did Product School, a certificate of some kind. How do you see the value of that per se? And how does the, is the world responding to that and certificates in general? Well, certificates in general, it really depends, right? There are so many really good certificates and horrible certificates. I would I, I would say probably most of certificates are horrible. <laughs> but it's true there are some that are, that are good. And it just takes time. We've been around for over seven years. We've graduated over 20,000 students. And for me, the value of the certification in this case, it's about where our graduates are working today, who our instructors are, where do people say about us online, like, Instead mm -hmm. of asking me, which of course I'm biased, go Google Product School and put it on LinkedIn. And, and that, is, that is, I would say, for me, the most important validation, the, the market value. Uh, obviously, this is a work in progress because this never ends. And um, I'm very, very, very focused on providing the highest possible quality. And sometimes that goes at the expense of lack of growth. I, I know that probably Product School could be bigger by now. If we were to just you know, start churning people and creating online courses like that. But for me, it's so, so important to know what's going to happen with them after they, they get a job. Or sorry, after they graduate. That, yeah. that it's, it's, it's like a chicken and egg problem. It's, it's word of mouth at the end of the day. It's my reputation. My name is on the line. And I care a lot about that. Sure. And so how you mentioned that you get a lot of feedback and focus on what is working and things. How has the curriculum changed sort of since you started? And are there some milestones in how the curriculum has changed over the seven years? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I created the first curriculum and I don't think we keep a single dot from what I created, which is a good thing. Um, I, uh, basically, we now have an entire education team with curriculum developers, instructional designers. We also have what we call subject matter experts, which are the same instructors who teach at Product School. Some of them actually participate in the creation of curriculum. So we're, we're, we're treating our curriculum as a product, taking feedback from students, from instructors, having those instructors co-create content with us and make sure that all the practices and the frameworks and the tools that we teach are being validated by the industry. 
And that's that's top of mind for us. So I would say one of our selling points is that all instructors who teach at product school are product leaders who work at the best companies in the world. And they are not teachers. They keep their full-time jobs at those companies. They're practitioners who moonlight for us on weeknights or weekends. And because I believe that product management changes so, so fast that no traditional school can do a good job because by default, they will get outdated by the time they, they try to release the next curriculum version. Right. What is sort of some of the, the noteworthy things that have come into the curriculum recently? Well, I can tell you one, which is in terms of tools. When I created the, the first curriculum, there weren't that many tools for product managers. Mm-hmm. Slack wasn't even cool <laughs> or mainstream. So we were still piggybacking on PowerPoint, Photoshop, Excel, and some of those tools that weren't really designed for product managers. If you look mm-hmm. at how PMs work these days, it's incredible that we have our own wireframing tools, tools for creating roadmaps, product analytics. Um, so we rely on Mural for visual collaboration, Heap for product analytics. We use Balsamic and Envision for design collaboration. Um, so Jira from Atlassian for project management. It's really amazing to see how each of those tools could cover a very specific use case. They all integrate with each other and they are putting the product manager at the center of the organization. So nice. tooling is, is, is a huge one for us. And, and then another one is, is just examples. There weren't that many case studies before about real successful products. And now there are a lot. So we like to update them with what's going on with Slack, with Uber, with SaaS products. Now product-led growth is a huge trend. So it's always about really re-engineering what's working today, trying to create a case study and make people build something. Because it doesn't really matter how much you read about other products, at the end of the day, you need to build something and you have to fail by yourself. For those who don't know, what does product management consist of according to sort of what product school teaches? What's a, what's a, what does the curriculum cover right now? Well, good question, because uh, it's not that obvious. I think sometimes we talk a lot about product, assuming that everyone is on the same page and, and it's not. So we now have an entire, we have three different certifications. The first one, which is still our bread and butter, is called product manager certification. And that's for aspiring PMs. Those are mm-hmm. typically software engineers who don't want to code anymore. But now we're seeing a lot of management consultants, marketers, customer success, ops people that also want to break into product, which is mm-hmm. great. And by the way, a lot of project managers, which is fantastic because they already have a a lot of experience on a big, very important part of the entire product development process. And, and anyway, I believe that more diversity in product teams is, is helping everybody build better products. Uh, but now we also build two more certifications to support experienced PMs who want to continue growing. So we have the product leader certification and the product executive certification. And we make sure that obviously um, we filter who can take those programs just to, to make sure that they are the right fit and, and, and it's amazing to see that this is not just about getting your first job. It's a, it's a long process all the way up to VP of product. And in some, co- in some cases, some companies are now creating the role of the chief product officer. I would imagine that's very compelling, the, the idea that you can get that knowledge through product school to help me make that next step up. I think at the end of the day, it's about having role models. I think when I grew up, I didn't know where to go. First of all, we didn't even have internet, but still, I just didn't know how to Google who are the right product leaders and connect with them. And, and I think we're demystifying that this is not rocket science, first of all, 
and that a lot of the people who you see behind Netflix and Salesforce and other successful companies, they are humans too. And they didn't have it easy and they want to give back and you can connect with them and they can also share their world story. So I believe in this community aspect because it's about connecting people and building long-term relationships. And of course, the, the curriculum is important because there are some fundamentals that everyone has to understand. But there's also a social component that is critical as we try to level up the playing field. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we, you talked about this a little bit and, and sort of as one of the drivers of the initial workshops that you were giving, which was to help these eight people get a product management job. You know, obviously one of the challenges that are facing us or people that are both getting into product management and those who are already there is that there's really this huge competition now for these product management jobs. Are there specific things you're doing that are making sure that your students are competing really effectively for these jobs? Obviously, being a graduate graduate of product school presumably is a plus, right? Yeah, I think there are two things. One, like in everything in life, one is you need to know how to do your job well, but you also need to know how to sell yourself. Because I've seen a lot of really good professionals who... No, don't know how to sell themselves and treat themselves like a product. That's especially important as you try to break into the role for the first time. So especially in our first program, the, the first certification, we spend around 75 to 80% of the time building products and going through the entire process from A to B to C, just to make sure that everyone understands how to do the job. They actually build something. <laughs> but we also reserve around 20% of the time just, about, just to talk about how to get a job. And that includes reviewing resumes, improving LinkedIn profiles, practicing mock interviews, creating a job search strategy to identify companies that are a good fit for you, how to reach to them. It's becoming a science. And because if you just try to go out there and start clicking the apply button, it's just not going to work. So you, if you're serious about getting a job or your next promotion, you have to treat that as a job itself. And this is working for your graduates. So it's working for most of them. Not everybody gets a job. And I think that's also important to highlight because there are a lot of coding boot camps out there that would say 99.999% of our students get a job. Well, I don't know if that's true. If it's true, the fantastic. But we are not a recruiting agency. We are a training company. And definitely the certification helps. And, and But at the end of the day, it's on each individual to go out there and secure a job. And right. we've seen that most of our students actually do that between two to six months after graduation. It's also important to acknowledge that not everyone does it. And that a lot of, I would say at least 90% of our students actually have a full-time job while they are taking our program, which gives them more time to plan their next move. There are a lot of other programs out there in other skills that would say, well, you have to stop your life for two to three months full-time, take a loan and, and go all in. That's a, mm -hmm. a way to do it. I believe that in product management, you actually have to have experience before. I haven't seen many people whose first professional job was product. And second of all, having a full-time job will always give you more options and more peace of mind. So we like to do this on the side just to increase our students' odds. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What should a person ask themselves to know if they might become a good product manager? Is it for everyone? Is there some kind of a litmus test or a self-evaluation that people should apply to themselves? Yeah, as much as I would love to say, yeah, it's for everyone. Like the reality is it is not. And um, obviously, it's very challenging 
very competitive. There are a lot of people who are not PMs who want to do it. There are a lot of existing PMs who are also competing for the same positions. But the good news is that it is doable. And if you are serious about it, because you have an itch, you think that you are the type of person who would go to a place and is looking and it's going to find opportunities to improve things. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I would go to a restaurant and I would start thinking, hmm, I think there is a way to optimize the way these people are taking orders or the lighting system or whatever it is. Like this type of curiosity, I think is very important for PM. So if you have that in yourself, give it a shot because there is never been a better time in history to build digital products. Right now, as businesses are trying to sell online, as more companies are experimenting with remote work, that means that there are more need for PMs than ever. Everything is a product these days. And now you don't need to have special qualifications. You don't have to have a CS degree. You don't have to have an MBA. You need to have a lot of drive, obviously, a lot of hard work and dedication behind. But it is doable. There are resources out there. Some of them are actually free. So there's no excuse to at least give it a try. And it doesn't mean that you need to stop everything right now and, and go for it. You can also do it on the side. I, I really believe in lifelong learning. Don't understand why someone told me once, oh, you have to study full-time until your mid-20s. And then after that, you have to be a full-time employee. Well, what if you can have it all? I think we're in a time in history where we can have it all. We just obviously need to commit to what's important to us and prioritize because nothing comes for free. And the biggest currency right now, it's actually not the money, it's, it's the time. It's like, what are you going to do tonight? Are you going to watch a Netflix show? Or are you going to open a textbook or a video and, and try to build something? Fantastic. So let's let's close out on some of your thoughts about the future of product management. I, I think you just came out with a book about that topic. Is that right? Literally, last week, we released a report on the future of product management. This was our second edition. And we, we surveyed over 1,500 product leaders just to understand what's going on. Because I don't know. You know, like these things are changing so much. Um, so yes, we, we came out with this report that is available for free for anyone who's interested in downloading. Just, just Google it, the Future Product Management Report, and, and you'll find it. And um, if you want, I can, I can give you some of the, the, the five highlights that I, that I got from there. Oh, fantastic. That'd be great. Yes. So one of the, the, the bottom line is, as I said before, is everything is growing, literally. Even if, obviously, the pandemic is, is affecting a lot of businesses, a lot of business quarters shrinking are also hiring PMs because this role is more important than ever. So there are more, more companies hiring PMs. There are also high, uh, salaries are rising, which is a good thing for everyone in the industry. And we're also seeing number two is that the roadmaps are being accelerated. We're seeing that a lot of people who had a plan to maybe do something online or are now being forced to do it, which in a way it's helping PMs to be at the, at the driver's seat before product used to be kind of a silo. Now everyone understands why it's important to have product managers in the room. And that's also affecting digital transformation. We see a lot of not just high-tech companies in Silicon Valley, but the rest of the world, actually. Banks, insurance companies, restaurants, everyone is trying to move online. So this is, I believe, a good thing for the world. Another thing that we are seeing is uh, this trend called product-led. I'm sure you've heard more companies saying, we are product-led. Well, mm-hmm. product-led is a business strategy that doesn't only apply to a SaaS company. Product-led means that now users can get value out of your product before they pay for anything, even before they talk to you. So it's more, it goes beyond offering a free trial or a, or a premium model. 
it's literally trying to add value as much as possible to people. It's letting them try, letting them see before they buy. And in some cases, they may actually use your product and never pay for it, but it's still okay because if they have a good experience, they'll be able to refer others. So it's really changing the mindset from being sales-led to really being product-led. Mm-hmm. Um, another trend that we are seeing is what we mentioned before about the no-code, low-code tools. Back in the day, if you wanted to run a data analysis, you pretty much needed a PhD <laughs> in data or a math degree. Now, you can open a tool like Heap or many others, Mixpanel, Amplitude, it doesn't really matter. They all work pretty much the same. And as a PM, as a non-technical person, you'll be able to create visualize data, make sense of data. And that's really, really powerful because you are democratizing access to people to, uh, to, to use data to create online. You can create websites without code. You can do a lot of things that used to seem impossible back in the day or very, very specific for people with, with a very technical degrees. And then last but not least is just if we want to continue growing products, we also want to invest in ourselves. I mean, product school can't be the only answer for everyone who wants to grow in product. There has to be more education. There has to be more resources. There has to be more investment from companies in their employees. We, we, one of the questions we asked in the survey was, does your company offer any type of education stipend? Mm-hmm. And less than 40% of uh, people said yes, while at the same time, over 85% of people said that learning and development was their number one non-monetary incentive to stay at a company, even above equity. So mm-hmm. I believe there is a disconnection there because if people want to learn and grow and we are saying that PMs are at the forefront of innovation, we also need to invest somehow in themselves. They can't just do it alone. So yeah. that was pretty much what, what we um, got from that report. Obviously, there are, there's much more information, but... At the end of the day, I'm happy to confirm that this is not a niche anymore, that we are not crazy, that we are here to stay, and that um, we, we need more and more people like like you as well, Nils, to continue building this industry together. Yeah, well, for sure. It's very exciting. And I, you know, I love product management and being a product manager and talking to product managers like yourself. It's very exciting. I do have a follow-up question. So do you get the sense from these product leaders that they have come up with an kind of a monetary value of product management do you have you seen anybody do anything like that you know if i like if i make my product manager 10 percent better how much is that worth to the company i can answer that in two ways one is uh, the positive way which is obviously that that should increase the bottom line because at the end of the day if you are making your pms 10 percent more effective or productive that means that your users are being at least 10 percent happier so i like to connect the success metric of the product manager or the product with the success metric of the user. Mm-hmm. The other way to look at it is what if you don't do it? What if you don't invest in that hungry product manager? The reality is that most of great PMs out there have a lot of options. So if you mm-hmm. want to retain talent, you definitely need to invest in them. Otherwise, you are going to lose them. And I think this doesn't only apply to product. This applies to other key roles in, in companies. Yeah, that's a great, great perspective. As you think of the time you've been doing product school, what are some of the things you've seen in the way that executives are perceiving product management? And what do you see, even looking maybe further than your new book that just came out, what do you think will be the types of changes that are going to happen, in, particularly in the executive's perception of product management and their view of how it impacts the business and things like that? 
who are unbullish on, on the future because now we're seeing more companies creating a, an executive role for product people at the C-suite level, the chief mm-hmm. product officer. This wasn't that obvious not so long ago. The, the highest ranked product manager used to report to a chief marketing officer or a chief technology officer. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of companies understand that product sits at the table. And mo- even going further, we're seeing more and more CEOs that come from a product background. And I think that's really powerful. Examples of that are Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Dropbox. So if a CEO comes from product, that means that they understand product, they believe in it. And that means that this is becoming a, a culture, a mindset, much more than just a job title. Nice. Very good. Well, this is fantastic, Carlos. I love hearing about your history and also what you see as the future of product management. I love your excitement about product management. It matches mine. I'm really excited about that. If people want to learn more about you and or product school, where should they look and what should their next steps be? Yes. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. If anyone wants to connect with me and continue the conversation, please do so. And then if you want to learn more about our free resources, just go to our website, productschool.com. Over 90% of the things that we do are actually free, from books, reports, to a thousand events per year, conferences. We have a job board. We have discussion forums. So uh, I invite anyone to continue the conversation and, and the learning journey. Well, I will definitely put all of that information into the show notes for this episode. Yeah, well, I really appreciate your showing up and your, I, I really just enjoy your enthusiasm so much. It's <laughs> Thank you for doing what you do. You are one of the OGs. I remember listening to your <laughs> podcast when I was studying product, product school. So um, one of your co-hosts was actually an instructor at, at school. So it's amazing to see how, how things come and go. And I, I definitely believe in, in doing the right thing and in karma. Well, I really appreciate that, Carlos, and uh, I'm sure Rob feels the same way. The, my my former co-host, who I still credit often with uh, helping me keep the podcast going, and we check in all now and then to make sure that we're both still on track, so that's pretty fun. I hope you found my interview with Carlos insightful, useful, and entertaining. I think you can tell he's a delight to talk with, and obviously a huge influence in the product management world, so really fun for me to get him on the show. Carlos and I mentioned several resources, books, and previous podcasts in this episode. And of course, you can find links to all of them in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 79. You'll also find links to subscribe to this podcast on all the different services, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The great benefit of subscribing is that you'll get new episodes automatically when I release them. There's more on the show notes page as well, such as how to get in touch with me directly. There's a comment section. I'd love to hear from you a link to my book, and more. So until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.